Hi, and thanks for tuning in to My Adventures at Home Brewing. I'm Dan Matthews, and come along with me as we talk about things for new home brewers, from gadgets to how we got started to, I don't know, all the mistakes we make along the way. So come along for the ride and have a beer or two along the way. looking for that yeast that can help you attain the best beer possible that you're looking for escarpment laboratories escarpment laboratories are located in guelph ontario and make some of the finest yeasts in canada if you want to make the beer that you want and have consistent results all the time you need to check out escarpment laboratories hey guys dan here have you ever had a problem getting your glass or plastic fermenter clean? Well, I've just been introduced to something that's brand new. Uh, it's called Scrubber Duckies. It's a magnetic scrubber meant for glass or plastic fermenters. All you do is you drop this down inside your fermenter, use the handle, and scrub through the crud that's left over from the crucin. I've seen a lot of things, but this is, seems to be one of the neatest and coolest things out there right now. If you're having a problem getting your plastic or glass fermenter clean, this is something to use. Scrubber duckies. Hey, everybody. It's Dan here once more to go around the world one more time and also have a beer or two along the way. Thank you very much for joining us today on My Adventures at Home Brewing. And today, um, kind of like last week, uh, we're going to do a little bit of, bit of a different topic uh, because I think our little community has so much to offer via inclusion, via diversity, via what we like to drink, via diverse tasting palette or a very diverse culture in where beers come from and how we can benefit from it. So today uh, we're really lucky to have Ren Navarro from Beer Diversity. Hi Ren, thank you very much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. And we have the one and only the bearded one, Steve Bushane, owner, <laughs> founder, and all-around great guy of Bozol Natural Brewing out in Van Cleek Hill, Ontario. How you doing Steve? I'm good. Now that I know that I'm the bearded one. <laughs> well, awesome. yeah, well, I have a beard, but it's not quite as long as yours. And it's a lot grayer. So, you know, yours looks so much better than mine. <laughs> good stuff. So, yeah, I'm doing good. Awesome. So uh, she's not here yet, guys, but I'm pretty sure she'll join us eventually is Erica Campbell. Uh, she is the founder of the uh, Society of Beer Drinking Ladies, which started out in Ontario, out in Toronto, Ontario. So once she jumps in, we'll go do a little quick little roll through, let her know uh, hi and all that and go from there. So, uh, Ren, we're going to start with you. If you could tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are, and then we'll roll into Steve and then we'll go from there. Sweet. Uh, yeah. So Beer Diversity is almost three years old. And prior to that, I was a sales rep for uh, throughout the years for different uh, Ontario craft breweries. So I've worked at six different breweries over probably six or seven years. Uh, fun fact, I'm actually one of the co-founders of Society of Beer Drinking Ladies. Uh, so, <laughs> but I was, I was part of the original crew. So I was there for the first three years. And um, since then, yeah, my my focus is about diversity and inclusion, predominantly within craft beer. But in the last year, it's been expanding to include wine and spirits and doing some non-beer related stuff with colleges. That's pretty awesome. Awesome, awesome. All right, all right, there, Steve. I think it's your turn now. Yeah, sure. So uh, Steve Boshane, my dad and I started Bose All Natural Brewing Company back in two thousand and six. 
Uh, we've been having a pile of fun for the last 14 years, uh, making tasty, interesting beer. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, my, my interest in, in, I guess, uh, uh, inclusion and diversity, uh, comes from, you know, uh, just, I, I guess my, my sense of uh, equality and, um, uh, I'm I'm currently the uh, the chair of the Canadian Craft Brewers Association's uh, Anti Discrimination and Inclusivity uh, Committee, um, and uh, it's just been a, a something I, I feel very strongly about uh, uh, since I think I was born. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's pretty uh, awesome. so yeah, All right, and I think Erica just joined us. Hi, Erica, are you there? Hi, Dan. How's it going? Good, good, good. So everybody, just so you know, this is Erica Campbell, as Red alluded to, one of the co-founders of the Society of Beer Drinking Ladies. Um, mm -hmm. So Erica, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself now that you're here? Yeah, good morning or good afternoon, I guess, at this point. Um, yeah, so the Society of Beer Drinking Ladies, um, we started almost seven years ago now. And we are, from what I can see, North America's largest women and beer community. Um, obviously, due to the pandemic, we are not throwing our events currently, but we've pivoted to um, sending out a ton of Beer Squad mystery boxes across the province. So these really special curated boxes. Um, and we donate a lot of money to the Canadian Women's Foundation to Black Women in Motion and to the Glad Day um, Bookshop in Toronto. So we do a lot of different charitable initiatives. Uh, and we have beer in LCBO too. So I'm not sure if anybody's tried our beers as well. I'm pretty sure there'll be some comments along the way. And once I get them, I'll let you guys know. So again, everybody, thank you very much for joining me today. I greatly appreciate it. I know it's not your normal topic to talk about when you talk about craft beer, but I do think it's kind of important to talk about. Um, I come from a mixed background. Uh, my mom, well, as you can probably tell, uh, Caucasian lady, Jewish, and that's where I get the big nose from. Um, but my biological dad was from Cape Town, South Africa. And along the way, I did experience what it was like to be on both sides of the fence, being picked on, being called names, to blending in and seeing it, and then stepping in to try and stop it, and then getting the, you know, the full force of it. Now, when he come forward into craft beer, um, I've been very fortunate that I have a great employer over at Straight Out Brewing Company. I can't speak any more highly of them and also for what they do to include people. But I've seen in my time through the military and everything else that it, re it rears its ugly head every now and then. Um, how do you guys think when it comes to things like uh, home brewers and their homebrew clubs and also in the craft beer world, how, what can we do to make sure that people are included regardless of gender, sexual, uh, sexual orientation, and also uh, culture, whatever else you can possibly throw out there? Because I know there's a lot. I'll let anybody who wants to jump on that one go for it. Well, that, that's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, you know, one thing to really be mindful of and be proactive about is messaging and how you, what language you use on your social channels, in your marketing and promotion. Um, and, you know, at the brewery to get a really um, holistic group of people making decisions. I think sometimes when there are challenges at breweries or things that occur with poor labeling decisions or 
um, you know, questionable marketing, it's often because it was a bunch of, you know, maybe white guys or a bunch of white people that, you know, maybe didn't have that, those other viewpoints to, to kind of create a, an inclusive message. And so things got lost in translation. So I think that's something that needs to be considered is making sure there's a lot of diversity in the employment at breweries so that there's a, there's a good cross section of voices for your, your message as a brewery, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that, you know, just to piggyback off of what Erica said, I think that imagery. So who are you showing? Like, who's your customer base? And, and for home brewers, it's like, who are you, who are you highlighting? Right. So, um, you know, when I think of homebrew shops, there's most of them are, are predominantly male in terms of how they're facing and what they show out. I mean, it's we have to remember that diversity isn't just about color. It's, you know, are you showing more women, uh, women homebrew? <laughs> like, you know, and it's, it's, it's such an easy thing that it's, you know, are you are also are you extending that that knowledge? So if you're doing a learn to brew day, like, who are you inviting? And, and again, like, you know, uh, what Erica was said, like, what's your language? How do you, what language are you using? Are you making it so exclusive that you're saying guys and dudes and like immediately saying that these are, these are the people that we're talking to. So it's, you know, kind of the, the basics, like think of how you're saying it and who's in your photos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lang language and, and imagery, right? They're, they're so important. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, the, the Craft Brewing uh, Association's committee has, has kind of outlined four different objectives uh, to try to improve um, all, all things related to inclusivity and diversity, but, but also with a specific focus on, on reducing um, di you know, discrimination uh, in particular. Um, the, the first objective is to increase representation uh, of, of marginalized or discriminated people uh, because uh, it's important that, that people can see themselves reflected in, in, in the industry. It's going to make people feel more welcome when they, when they can see themselves reflected uh, in the makeup of the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, the second objective is to, is to reduce discrimination that's currently faced. Um, you know, uh, I, I think any industry or, or any civilization for that matter that that claims that there isn't currently discrimination is, is, is you know lying to themselves uh so uh we have a you know specific mandate to, to reduce discrimination and i think that's where uh you know when erica and, and ren are talking about uh offensive packaging uh cultural appropriation um uh as well as you know discrimination sort of at industry events and things like that that's that's all kind of wrapped up in that objective uh our third educate uh, a third objective is to educate um because um quite often people want to do better but, but just don't know how um and there's a lot of stigma um around around things like language you know uh, making sure that uh you know you're not being offensive by accident uh simply by being ignorant so a lot, a lot of education uh, is required. And, and the fourth and probably the, the, the funnest objective is, is using craft beer as a catalyst uh, for outside of the craft beer community. Uh, we have such a strong, uh, strong uh, ability to be able to, to engage people and get people talking. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the things, first things that Obama did when, when he was president was, was had a, you know, a, a beer summit with, with, with people that he needed to, to start talking more with. Yeah. And, and I think that that kind of idea of, of using 
craft, you're using what we do to get people to make the connection that uh, you know, there's, there's no room for hate um, in, in this world and, and you know, love is love. And that's so true. Um, I mean, just to touch on something that Ren said, uh, there are there's some awesome lady brewers out there, and I, I can I can admit attest to this. I've uh, out here in Ottawa, we have uh, Bicycle Brewing, where uh, the the founder is 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 a lady, and she and she does great beer. Um, and I know in the United States they have something called the uh, well, not society, but the pink boots uh society mm -hmm. pink boots i think it is where it's all lady brewer professional lady brewers and pink and boots is actually international really yeah yeah there's a pink boots chapter in toronto okay mm -hmm. well you know there you go but this is, these are things we don't hear about in our world i mean i mean i'm probably gonna get in shit for this um i'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a part of the you're, you're in a safe place here dan <laughs> oh, good. no judgment dan there you go uh so i'm a part of the mob or the members of parliament here in ottawa and it's it's an online kind of homebrew club but for the life of me for the couple of events that i've been to the only woman who's been there is the owner of a local brew, homebrew shop out in Gatineau called uh, Beer Grains. That's the only woman I see. Yet they, they t say that they have female uh, lady brewers involved, but I don't, I'm almost like call, calling bullshit because if, if you want to have this inclusive environment, why aren't there lady brewers coming out to these events? Well, and I guess the, the question on that is, is there a safe space that's been created? Yeah. And like, it's, if, if a woman doesn't feel safe in something, whether it be virtual or in person, she's not going to go. And, and it's, you know, you can say that you have all these women who are, are part of it, but the, again, like back to what everyone's saying, like representation matters in a safe space, and then it's got to be welcoming. And I think going back to what Renee and I created, you know, six, seven years ago, that's exactly yeah. what we did. Yeah. You know, the, there were women we were finding at different breweries as brewers and we, you know, people interested in, in the beer industry, but they were kind of, you know, just doing it in their houses or with their friends. And, and I think that there, what we found was Bevy won our first event in January, 2014. It sold out in <laughs> very, very fast. And it continued to sell very, very fast because there was a need. Women love beer. They're a huge segment of the craft beer market. And just oftentimes to Renee's point, they just don't feel comfortable or safe in certain circles. And I know I didn't. And that's kind of why, you know, uh, Renee and I had conversations and the three other co-founders and we launched this thing because we knew that we needed to create space. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know? you know, Erica, remember when we were talking about like, you know, if you have to go to the bathroom and you have a beer, like, who do you leave it with? Right. And like, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and having, and having bevies where women can just leave their drinks and then come back and know that they were fine. Like, right. it just, right. it sounds so ridiculous, but it's such a huge thing. Like, I can't take my drink to the washroom with me and I can't leave it with a stranger, but yeah. like being able to create a safe space where it's like, do you want to watch my beer? Cool. If not, like I'll be back and I know I can just keep drinking when I get back. <laughs> yeah, but, but you'd think in our little community that, you know, it would be a safe space. I mean, as f for as long as I've been, I mean, okay. I've been made, I may started making craft beer in my early thirties. I'm now almost 50. So yeah, uh, you know, for I remember of this, this community, it was actually, I, at least I thought it was a safe space. I mean, everyone was, 
cool with each other, whatever else. And then now I'm like, in the society that we're in now, what's changed that, you know, you can't trust that person to your left or your right. I mean, there's, there's definitely this safe element to this conversation, but there's also just the level of comfort. Like I think, um, we also, you know, having spaces that are comfortable for people where we don't, there wasn't that element of mansplaining. Like I think maybe yeah. women don't come to the mob or they don't come to male dominated homebrew events because they know that they'll just be talked over or not seen as knowledgeable or intelligent. And so again, we've tried, we tried to foster this kind of space where we weren't geeking out about it, the beer and making anybody feel intimidated or uncomfortable. It was about creating community and letting conversations and um learning happen organically you know mm. so it wasn't that we definitely felt like we wanted to create safe space for sure but also just enjoyable comfortable space you know okay if that makes sense yeah it's 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 also i think important to uh to understand that progress is happening but it happens slowly um yeah. obviously things like the the society uh are, are very dramatic examples of that, that progress being made. Uh, but um, I, I remember going to my first craft brewers conference in 2006. And uh, I, I don't think I saw more than a dozen women in the entire conference. Mm. And uh, there was also uh, no one of color. There was no one, you know, uh, of, uh, anything other than sort of a, a very typical, you know, Caucasian uh, North American looking, looking male. And uh, I, I think back to the last uh, craft brew conference I went to, and it's it's now uh, uh, very very much different. Like there's there's a lot of representation with women. There's a lot of representation uh, from from people from different backgrounds, um, you know. And and it's not uncommon to run into you know brewers from any country in the world. Is it, is it perfectly balanced yet? Uh, no, uh, and there's, there's obviously still a, a lot of progress that needs to be made, but it's, I, I think it's important to kind of have the perspective of um, we need to keep making progress so we can't, uh, we can't pretend like the issues aren't there, but we also, I, I think, need to be optimistic and, mm -hmm. and, and, and celebrate the fact that uh, as, as an industry, no one's forced us as an industry to take take these issues on uh we've taken it on because we see that there's a need to, to do better okay well this is another moment where i'm gonna use a military term uh no name no drill so uh basically i am not gonna say any names because uh it was on the news about this what this one brewery did uh i think red might know what i'm alluding to uh there was a biracial family that went to a brewery they got told and directed to the patio. Long comes a white family. They get seated inside. Red smiling. She knows who I'm talking about. That's why I'm not saying anything because. I, so, so I'm going to, I'm going to stop you there. Cause the, the story kind of takes on more, more nuances yeah. every time I hear it. Um, full disclosure. I'm actually working with that brewery. Okay, cool. Okay. So changes are being made. There's, there's some stuff that's there. They're working yeah. on it. Yeah. So Issu I mean, issues have been acknowledged. <laughs> <laughs> that's what no names, no pack drill. That's why I'm yep. not naming names because, you know, people make mistakes and it's not necessary always the community as a whole. It could be just that one person. 
if we're gonna uh, be the, at least I want it to be more inclusive. I mean, I don't know if it's because of the, of my, of my, of my background that, you know, I can say inclusivity is important, be it, you know, being accepting, being having gone into the military and been to the places I've been to and then seeing how, you know, we go out of our way trying to include everyone and to, to try and help everyone regardless of where they are. How do we reach just that one person? Because it only takes us one person to change things. How do you hit that one person who's going to help us? I mean, I've read everything I possibly can about you guys and I madly respect everything that you guys have done and are doing. But for that one person who can't for the life of me figure this out, how do we get through to them? I think sometimes that's about, you know, putting them into the, the scenario. So, because I, I feel that quite often when we, when we talk about diversity and inclusion, we talk in, in high levels. So we talk about marginalized peoples and we talk about underrepresented, but sometimes it's just like, hey, do you have a mother? Do you have a sister? How would you feel if this happened to them? And pulling them into a scenario that they can actually start to visualize. Mm. And I mean, it doesn't always work, but at least it starts getting them to think, oh, hey, people I know are affected directly by this. So maybe I should take a second look or take a pause and, and you know, start to question some things a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I find you... for, oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. go ahead. Go, go, go. I was going to say, I find for us, um, or at least for me personally, like it's it's the festivals, it's the it's the opportunities, the, the outward engagement opportunities where you're, you know, we have our society beer drinking ladies tent and we have white guys come up to the booth or a lot of them are like over 65 and, you know, they've got their eyebrows raised. Like, what is this? Is this like, I'm not allowed to join, you know, and they're really skeptical. And I feel to Renee's point, it's, it's bringing, you know, that human element to it and, and having that actual human dialogue rather than, um, hidden on social media, you know, I think there's a lot of things that can be thrown around on social because it's easy and because there's no repercussions really. And so when you actually are able to talk to somebody in person, that human element comes through and you're able to, to have, you know, constructive dialogue. Okay. And, yeah. um, one other thought there, um, Speaking from from the perspective of, of someone that that you know obviously has been privileged to to be male and white, um, I think one of the things that those of us that are in that privilege privilege uh, set can do is to to have a low level of tolerance from from others. Mm. Um, quite often, it's the you know it's the joke in the locker room or the you know, the acceptance of poor behavior uh, that, that emboldens uh, and, and allows uh, other, other you know, white men predominant, predominantly uh, to, to kind of continue the myth that, that we're, we're somehow, you know, more deserving of, of, of better treatment um, or, or more deserving of, of kind of a uh, being in the privileged place that we are, and uh, it's it's easy to overlook 
uh, or to let something pass by. And you have to almost constantly be willing to put yourself out of your comfort zone um, and, and, you know, to do it in a way where you're trying to educate someone as opposed to just, you know, screaming because you have to have a dialogue to, to be able to make any, any change. Um, but um, I know I've, I've had to put myself in some very, very uncomfortable situations where uh, some of my staff have felt discriminated against and I've had to call up other brewers, uh, restaurant owners, uh, you name it, and, and have some very, very difficult conversations. And, and I still um, know that, you know, there have been times where someone said something that seemed offside and I let it go. And, and I recognize kind of after the fact that anytime I let that go, um, you know, I'm, I'm part of the problem. Yeah, and I, I can, I can say I understand what you're saying, Steve, because I've been placed in that type of situation where there's been some off-color whatever comments made, and I have to bite my tongue because I have I've had to deal with it for so long that my I, only way I can say is is that my my angry army sergeant side would come flying out with a knife hand to the guy's chest and trying to put him to attention saying, what the hell are you saying? So I have to bite my tongue and let it slide because I know my temper will get the better of me, which, you know, it's a lot better now that I've been out for like four years, but um, I totally understand. And, it, and it's a hard thing to say that if you don't say something, you're a part of the problem. But sometimes I hate to say it, time and place. Sometimes when, where you are and the comments made, to answer them or to respond to that is not the right time and place because one, you may be acting emotionally and it could just charge the situation even more or you could offend that yeah, person even, um, even though they don't mean, mean what they're saying and then you look like I, an idiot. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And, and I, I try to follow a you know, praise publicly and criticize privately kind of philosophy. Uh, so... Uh, it's one thing to, to choose what what tactic is, is yeah. going to generate the best results. It's another thing to allow uh, discrimination to occur. And, um, you know, it's it's a lot harder for, for people that aren't in the privileged set to make change than it is for those in the privileged set. So to me, I feel like we've got a higher level of responsibility to be the force for change it's not to me it's, it's completely unacceptable to say that you know change has to come from women and it has to come from people of color it's it has to come from the people that are privileged uh and it's it's it, if if we're the ones fighting it um then you know uh or not we're not even just not fighting it but if, if we're allowing it to continue then we're uh, we're the problem. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, let's get into a bit of a lighter subject now, shall we? This has gotten pretty heavy pretty quick. <laughs> so, talking about craft beers and stuff like that. So, uh, you just came out, Steve, with a, was it, a Lug Tread Light, shall we call it? Yeah, Lug Tread 2.5. It's so good, Steve. I love it. <laughs> I haven't oh, got my hands you. on it yet. 
<laughs> I've got a hookup. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what? this this was a super challenging beer to make. It uh, it it's probably the the most most complex sort of brewing exercise we've ever tried to take on, and really happy with the results at this point. Right on. Right on. So, Ren, are you a home brewer? Uh, barely. I've been I've been getting in my home brewing by doing collabs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, next time you're in Ottawa, let me know. I'll fire up my my for home sure. brewery, and you're we can figure something out. I'm in for it. And well, Erica, I know you're busy with little ones. So I don't think you're into home brewing right now. <laughs> I'm not. I uh, I haven't ever brewed at home. I've always worked in the craft beer space. We've done. Uh, upwards of 50 collabs probably at this point now with society. So I participate in them, you know, as best you do as in a collaboration environment. Uh, Don't give away the secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So no, I've just never been interested in it, but um, I, I drink a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you could say I enjoy the fruits of the brewer's labor, I guess. There you go. So I'll put the, I'll put this offer out to, to you guys then. Steve, I, I, I'll include you, but I'm pretty sure you have enough toys at the brewery to play with. So, um, so Ren and Erica and Steve, if ever you guys are here in the Ottawa area and you, and you're free for the, like a good day, uh, I'll invite you to my home. Uh, we'll, we'll get the brewery going and we'll collab on a beer and you guys, I'll make sure once it's all done, you guys get, get like at least a six pack out of it and we can comment from there and go from there. How's that sound? Sounds great. Perfect. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Steve's going, yeah, that sounds great. Cause I don't have to do the work. <laughs> <laughs> Steve and I are both in like newborn world right now. So I feel like it's th- the idea of like hanging out in a garage and drinking beer sounds pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it does get easier as they get older my son's 19 in his second year of university and my daughter's 16 going on 32 um mm-hmm. yeah and she's in her second year uh second year of high school so trust me people with the newborns it does get easier right <laughs> except you'll never see your car once they have their driver's license there you go. <laughs> so I'm going to say thank you to everybody for being on the show today. Greatly appreciate it. And thank you for dealing with my ramblings and getting pretty deep, pretty quick. Um, it, it is something I feel needs to be talked about. And it is a rather uh, important subject, at least to me, because of, you know, what I've experienced in my lifetime. Thank you very much for being on the show. And guys, thank you very much for being listening to us this week and coming along for a beer or two along the way. Check out Beer Diversity. Check out Bozo Natural out in Van Cleek Hill. Go buy their beer because it's pretty great. I still remember when I first had Steve's Lug Tread at National Defense Headquarters in the concourse when they were pretty much new in around 2006. And we're all in uniform right. saying, we can't drink. And the person's <laughs> going, I can't take these kegs back. And, <laughs> and check out uh, Erica and her partners at the Society of Beer Drinking Ladies. It is pretty cool what they do to help the world of uh, inclusivity. And guys, again, mad respect to what you do. And thank you very much. Cheers, Dan. Thanks Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. So 
I'd like to say thank you to Steve, Erica, and Ren for being on the show this week. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, Steve has a great brewery out in Bank Leak Hill, Ontario called Bo's All Natural. I'm pretty sure a lot of you have heard of it. Go check it out. Really good beer. Um, and also, I'd like to say thank you to Ren and Erica. I've just met these lovely ladies, and I can't speak to you more highly of them. They have some great initiatives, and she will check them out. Um, I know this is a bit of a heavy topic this week, but it's something that should be talked about. So, thanks again, guys, for coming around the world one more time with me and a beer or two along the way. This is Dan, and I'll see you on the other side.